wouldn't be work if I wasn't pulling the double my weight. I mean, you are double my weight, but. Ah! <laughs> Zing! <laughs> I hope you are recording that. <laughs> Uh, You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of IDs Disappeared that tells their story. Do you know if I had to punctuate that sentence, I would never be able to do it? Because everything is underlined in bold, (laughs) italicized, and Helvetica font with exclamation points. (laughs) Have you ever seen my notes? It is a rainbow pride flag of emotions because I have to color code everything. So you're a type A kind of special kind of crazy. Great. Well, I was just going to say, this is how you do this well. I'm assuming you'll get there eventually. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm catching on. Girl, before we get to the show, please tell the people what the Facebook group is and where to find it. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to talk in the intro. If you don't want to talk, that's fine. Listen, I can talk until the GD cows come home, but I want you to tell them the name of the Facebook group. Go ahead. All right. It's Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. And then join us on the Instagram as well, you guys. It's The Disappeared Pod. We almost have to swipe up. We're almost there. We beat you to the swipe up by like seven, ten years or something. When was Instagram invented? I don't know, but you know, it has not gone unnoticed that our group group Instagram has almost yeah. as many as my personal Instagram and I've been I've been thirsty for that Instagram love for years so don't think that's not had some kind of emotional impact on me okay every time I go to your Instagram account and I see a swipe up I go there she is there, there she is she- I am criminally underfollowed you're getting about the following you deserve I think oh you're very sweet you know that's to say like I'm comfortable with the low two digits two digits for you oh, my gosh you are Honestly, you inspire my inner serial killer. So let's go. All right, you guys, we got to get into this one because... Honestly, I think I'm just putting it off. It's season two, you guys. It's the season premiere, season two, episode one. The Secret Journey tells the story of the disappearance of Brittany Drexel. A teenager from Rochester, New York, sneaks away for spring break without her parents' permission. Brittany, she liked to play both of us. You know, if mom said no, dad said yes. Being a 100-pound, pretty teenage girl, that's not an area where you want to be by yourself. While walking back to her hotel, she suddenly vanishes. I knew something was wrong. I knew that there was a problem of 30 minutes going by without talking to her. Have recent problems at home pushed her to the breaking point? That was a warning that I need help. What? Or who could have led Brittany so far from home? Where's my little girl? Is my little girl being tortured? Did my little girl get hurt? Let me just say that after I watched this documentary, I ordered 27 rolls of bubble wrap for my daughter on Amazon. It's going to be here on Thursday. Do you know what my first question, my, my first statement out of the gate, I said in the preview, we learned that the parents are divorced and that that might have played into the disappearance. And I'm just wondering if you're concerned about the fact that your kid comes from a broken home, too. <laughs> Does that concern you for her that, future that, safety? Or? That joke will not age well. I promise you. <laughs> uh, Unlike you, that's, you're aging so gracefully, girl. Honestly, I know. It honestly makes me feel bad how good I look. 
and how severely <laughs> mediocre you have maintained. I know. I The thing is, I started at a strong five. I'm going to end this shit at a strong five. I'm going to just be that strong five. Although it's consistency, girl. Yeah. That's the name of the game around here. I mean, yes. And I'm not insulting you. I'm just describing you. Do you know I what I mean? I would like to remind you that I have never walked into a Dunkin' Donuts and been told I look like a pop star of the opposite sex. That has happened to one of us. Do you know who you look like? Prince. <laughs> and you know the funny thing is, I texted Henry just in parentheses, all lowercase. She kind of does look like Prince. <laughs> I mean, uh, I- it's not an unfair. Like you could be his sister. It's not a mean thing. You really are very beautiful. You really are. You're very beautiful. I don't need to see you naked anymore, but you are very beautiful. Wait, did we already tell what I did on FaceTime the other day when you called? Yes, it's in the outtakes of last week's episode. Oh no. Oh, oh, the new one where your breasts were literally hanging out of your shirt. Patrick, I don't understand why you're complaining. Also, we're procrastinating because we don't want to get to this horrible story. Let's go. I met Brittany. I was. I believe I was 15, she was 14. We became best friends, got to know each other, and been so close ever since. She used to like to joke around a lot, laugh. Just her smile just made you smile back. So the first two people we meet in the episode, we meet Brittany's best friend Tara and her mom Dawn. And, you know, it's we honestly could just like roll tape of every episode of this for the first two minutes where like her smile was amazing. She loved to smile. She lit up a room. And honestly, she looks like a great kid. She, totally. uh, there are some people that they say that about that. I'm like, that's not true. But Brittany's not one of them. Brittany really does seem like she like she does light up a room. She is very sweet. And yes, we, we see all the beautiful pictures. She's a beautiful. Beautiful young girl, great smile, changes her hair all the time, yeah. all the things, yes. Yeah, so it's April 22nd, 2009. We learn that she lives in Rochester. Now, look, I've got some stuff to say. Why would anybody live in Rochester? It's like living in Alaska. It is literally the North Pole. It really is. They're like, it's early June. We've just come off a very long winter. Like, <laughs> winter starts in July and it ends in August. Yeah. The following August, you guys. So all to say that Brittany, along with the rest of the city of Rochester is looking forward to spring break. And with a long winter barely behind them, 17-year-old Brittany Drexel is ready for some warm sunshine. It's a long-standing rite of passage in the Rochester area for high school seniors to spend part of the week-long break in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Even as a child, I love spring break. Spring break is a terrible season. It's raining and also cold. I know. Break implies a broken bone or a relationship break, which is a confusing concept altogether. You've been through so, so many of them. You think you'd understand them by now. Do you know what I mean? You'd think that you, of all people, would have like a really strong understanding of relationship breaks. Oh, thank you for your two cents, but I'll give you a buck sixty-five to shut the fuck up. Okay. But... I can't wait to see that all over the Facebook group. You guys, just turn the episode off. You got your quote. Go make your signs for the Facebook group, everybody. My thing is like, why does anybody like spring break? I Ugh. really, I don't get it. I went on spring break one time in college. We drove to Florida where we were in our from friend- From Massachusetts? Yes, from Boston. What'd you take, four days? I know. We drove through the night, girl. Don't sing it now. I've got a time for you later. <laughs> no, I got No, hold it because I need you to sing it in a little bit. We'll get there. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, okay. spring break is the fucking worst. I don't understand why anybody's into it, especially in Myrtle Beach. Again, I've got nothing against Myrtle Beach, just like- 
know what I call Myrtle Beach? What? Murder Beach. <laughs> Why, girl? I just don't think good things happen there. Okay, I'll get into it later. I'll get into it later. I have looked up the criminal, the criminal stats of Myrtle Beach. Don't you worry. They're coming. Keep going. Those kids are going down there drinking, doing drugs, partying, going out to night spots and laying out on the beach. Just kids. No parental supervision. This is another example of how undisappeared people say crazy things like they are normal. So apparently, it's just a tradition that the seniors from this town take a trip to Myrtle Beach. They are minors. I mean, maybe they're 18. It's their senior year or whatever. They go to Myrtle Beach without any parents. And Brittany's mom, Dawn, is saying like, oh yeah, girl. They go down, they party, they drink, they do their drugs, they fall asleep on the beach. It's just what happens. And I'm like, girl, what? I, I just, you know, the biggest letters I could find over my goddamn dead body. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I ordered the bubble wrap. She's ain't going nowhere. I know. Lola's not going anywhere. Because <laughs> I literally wrote, like, you just tie cinder blocks to their ankles for the entire week. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the only thing you and I 100% always see eye to eye with, that we have no problem no. <laughs> chaining our daughters to their beds. I mean, we can find a less child sex trafficking way of saying it, but yes. Agreed. Yes. Please edit that. Thank you. Um... <laughs> Brittany, a high school junior, is friendly with some older kids who ask her to join them for the trip down to Myrtle Beach. She had asked me if she could go to Myrtle Beach, and I had told her no. And I also told her, you need to talk to your father. She wants to go. Mom says, absolutely not. And she's like, but I did say you had to talk to your dad about it, too. To which I said, Dawn, could maybe you talk to the dad? Yeah. I could maybe you thing. call him and be a united front on this one yeah, thing? Maybe we triangle of communication. <laughs> we connect somewhere. So yeah. we find out that she had recently been sleeping late and skipping school. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a super red flag. Then they're talking about her being a teenager and her emotions associated with that and I guess disappeared um, really went deep into their stock footage to find the footage of a teenager giving themselves a bad pedicure. That really was a bad pedicure. Yeah. I was watching. I was like, even I with my sausage fingers could do better than that. Do we have any like stock footage that really screams teenager? Uh, I don't know, like cheerleading? No, that's too basic. Something a little more creative. Uh, I don't know, like driving through a drive-thru. No, something like a beauty, beauty regimen. Uh, my, I, got, I got my daughter did a bad pedicure the other night. Yes! Perfect! All right, so Brittany and her mom are still fighting over this trip to Myrtle Beach that Brittany wants to take. The next afternoon, Wednesday, the dispute continues. Brittany is so upset, she storms out of the house. She calls her boyfriend, John Greco, and asks him to pick her up. John really hot. He gives your ex-husband a run for his money. I just don't like anyone who has more manicured eyebrows than me. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I said the actor in the reenactment who plays John has the hairiest arms I've seen since yours. <laughs> I got laser. <laughs> I don't have any hair on my arms, you wildebeest. <laughs> You guys, Ellen is, like, perfect looking. I, I just give her shit because I'm a strong five, and that's what strong fives do, you guys. We got to make fun of the tens. Otherwise, who are we? Are you going to tell me that you don't even know how hot you are, Ellen? You know how much I love that. <laughs> 
she's like, she was so gorgeous and she didn't even know it. To which I just said, can hot people just take responsibility for their hotness? <laughs> can y'all just acknowledge it? It doesn't make the fives among us, myself included, feel any better to know that the tens don't know that they're tens. Just look in the mirror and acknowledge that you're hot, okay? And I don't believe there's a single fucking hot person out there who doesn't know they're hot. Not one. Are you okay? <laughs> I feel better now. I got okay. that off my chest. Been holding on to that since I was about 13. Anyway, it is now I'm already burning up. I'm, it's already <laughs> burning up in here. Okay. All right. John, who has been dating Brittany on and off for over two years, knows how much Brittany wants to get away for spring break. Her junior year was, was a tough year for her. She was dealing with her family being in a divorce. Any problem that me and her would have would escalate the anxiety that she was carrying. John seems like a great guy. Like yeah, he, he really seems does. like the kind of guy you want your daughter to like date. And then on my second watching of it, I was like, oh, but he says a lot of really dumb shit. We'll get to it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with your first statement, but I will listen to your follow-up okay, statements. Great. <laughs> How kind of you to listen. That's so <laughs> unlike you. I'm trying something new for 2020. <laughs> Is it still 2020? I've lost track, honestly. Because I just every day I feel like I want to walk into the ocean. So Whatever. Girl, I would give anything to walk into the ocean. Oh, my God. The outside sounds so nice. <laughs> What's the ocean, girl? Well, I meant not come back, but okay. <laughs> it was then that we realized it was a cry for help. <laughs> Nobody help her. She's funny when she's desperate. Nobody help her. Um, Do you want to talk about that? You watched the episode, yeah? Barely. I just mostly researched what happened after it. I spent all morning researching what happened after it. Great. I'll keep talking. You jump in whenever you fucking feel like it. Brittany's close friend Tara has seen how hard junior year has been for her classmate. She just wanted to hang out with her friends, just not have to stay home. She wanted to go away for spring break. She wanted to just be able to have fun for a week outside of Rochester. We learn, obviously, she's in her junior year. She's having a tough time. We all know how difficult junior year is. Junior year was my worst year. That was the year I came out. It always is. Yeah, yeah. it was really fucking hard. You have all the tests, everything that's setting you up for your future. I get it. In the best of circumstances, it's the most you know stressful year of your teenage years. When you were going through that, did you say to them, I'm going to be an actor. I literally don't need to know anything. Literally every day. <laughs> I... I Shit you not. I was like, why do I need to know math? I'm going to be on Broadway. Right. Why do I need the to know is- science? I'm going to be on Broadway. And they're it's like, true, though. It, it worked out. And I had this smart-ass, hilarious English teacher that I I got along with very, very well. He's like, he was Southern. He's like, and none of us doubt you, Ellen, but you still have to do your journal entries. <laughs> I tried to get out of it every which way. He went home to his wife, Jonathan, every yeah. single day. When Brittany had told her mom that she wanted to go to South Carolina, her mom... Obviously, being a parent said, no way, you're not going to South Carolina. You're 17 years old. And Brittany retaliated. She got into a a fight with her mom. Brittany gave me a call. I came and picked her up and took her to her friend's house. Later that day, Brittany makes one last request to go to Myrtle Beach. Well, she had to call and apologize how she acted that day. She says, Mom, can I go to Myrtle Beach? And I told her no. She calls her mom again. She's like, Mom, I'm really, really sorry about fighting about Myrtle Beach. I'm so sorry. But um, also, can I can I go to Myrtle Beach? And I mean, I would just say to Lola, like, when hell freezes over. And then I would add, there is a loophole because there is a city in Norway called hell. And it often does freeze over. So I would just tell Lola to go to her room, count to 42 hours, which is the exact amount of time that I leave with her and then come back and ask me again if she can go to Myrtle goddamn beach. 
down to 42 hours. So the mom says no. And she's like, okay, mom, great. Cool, cool, cool. Hangs up. Calls back one minute later and says to my mom, mom, you know what? I know I've been begging you to go to Myrtle Beach for this entire week. I don't even want to do that anymore. Is it okay with you if I just spend the week at my friend's house and don't see you at all? And the mom's like, actually, yeah, girl, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, And then I literally, I was like, I yelled at the TV. I was like, are you I know. I was like, Don, you're better than this. And like, the thing is, Don is doing everything right as she sees it. She's like, we're going to talk every day. I mean, and I can understand the the situation. Like, the parents just got divorced. She knows she's having a hard time. She wants to be with her friends. She's disappointed she can't go on this trip. Fine. Stay at your friend's house. But it's like, Don, sweetheart, look at the situation. And she's like, you at least insist that you have to see her physically every single day. Totally. Because she said to her friend, I'm going to call and ask her one more time. And if she says no, I'm going to apologize for the fight. I'm going to hang up. I'm going to call right back and I'm going to ask her if I can sleep here for the rest of the week while you pack the car. Okay? You pack the car while I'm doing that. But Brittany has no intention of staying in upstate New York. She decides to make the trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, over 14 hours and six states away. They leave Rochester Wednesday night and they drive they drive. Don't do it. I need it later. I don't need it now. I, I, I will. I'm going to hold on to it. Okay. They leave Rochester Wednesday night and they drive 14 hours. Already a bad decision. Already. Yeah, you're yes. driving through the night. Already a bad decision. I mean, I can't even tick all the bad decisions. Michelle McMullen's mother would not allow this. She would sit on you to make sure that she this did not happen. <laughs> She's like, she tells her, her boyfriend, I'm going to go. And he's like, cool. Just text me all the time. Yeah. Our best friend, Christopher says. Over the next few days, Brittany and John are in constant contact via cell phone. Via cell phone. <laughs> like, like this new fandangled thing that nobody knows anything about. But speaking of, sometimes you see her texting on her old flip phone, and like just to spell the word the, you have to press it like seven times. It's called T9, baby. T9. I remember. It's like, and then you and then you looped around, you're like four, four, four. Shit. Four, four, four. <laughs> Dang it. Four, four, two, two. Oh my god. T- the kids will never know the pain and trauma of T9 texting. I know. You guys are standing on our shoulders. We did the work for you. At one point, one of us stood up and said, I will not. The West Wing music is playing underneath yeah. it. I demand. I will not hit the eight seven <laughs> times to get to the ampersand. While she was down there, her, her first few texts were, this weather is incredible. I mean, there's palm trees. Being out by the ocean, it was incredible. She's texting him all the things. I love the ocean. I love the weather. I love the palm trees. But you have to remember, she lives in the American right. North Pole of Rochester. They get sun one day a year, girl. Yeah. She's in the land of palm trees. And she, honestly, it's like it, it, she can't believe she can't believe she can't believe it. Right. She can't believe it. Th- I knew that I'd was, get there. Thank you for looping around. <laughs> I knew you'd come back to us, baby girl. I knew you'd make it back to us. I love you. Do you ever do that where you're like, I know that if I just start the sentence, something really funny is going to come at the end of it? and then it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, I've made a career out of it. So the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while, baby boy. Are you going to do that voice a lot through this episode? Or, or are, you, just... are you about done? You think you're about done with that voice or no? No? I'm so hot. With an abundance of bars and clubs, the area is a paradise for high schoolers enjoying independence for the first time. The bars and the clubs down at Myrtle Beach it's more based around money. They can get tons of teenagers to come in, and if they turn the blind eye to the fact that they're 16, 17 years old, they're still gonna make the money. The whole thing about Myrtle Beach is that like the clubs, like you have to be 21 to drink, but they'll let 17 year olds in, which is just like, oh my God, you know? But also I just wrote, who's running Myrtle Beach? I know. <laughs> like, I want 
got some names. <laughs> I anyway, know. I take issue with Myrtle Beach in general. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, I feel like this isn't going to be our last episode that leads us there. There's a, there's kind of a through line that like Myrtle Beach is a place where you go right before really bad shit happens to you. Brittany takes full advantage of her spring break freedom. She tells her mom that she's watching movies at her friend's house in Rochester while sharing with John that she is having an amazing vacation hundreds of miles away. She was having a ton of fun. She was out having a good time living the spring break life. She was with a bunch of her friends having a good time. But by the second day, all that changes. These older kids that she's with start doing drugs. She's not into it. So she starts like separating herself from these older kids. And she's sort of like hanging out by herself. And like it goes from like being thrilled to be in the sunshine to being like, oh my God, I hate being here. When can I go home? Right. And then in the back of my head, my annoying mom voice was like, Nah, maybe you should have listened to your mom. Maybe moms do know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, it sucks because it's a cautionary tale, but like, I know. Yeah, I mean, you you put you know kids willingly. I mean, and and I wasn't you know perfect by any means, but willingly putting yourself in situations like that. So she's just miserable. Early Friday evening, Brittany runs into a male friend from Rochester. Twenty-year-old Peter Brozowitz works for several local Rochester nightclubs. Peter Brozowitz was a kid who I didn't know personally, but Brittany did. He was always out at the parties at the clubs, so we became acquaintances through just the parties and knowing the same people. So she runs into her friend Peter, who she knows from Rochester. Who, like, this guy is sketchy. Like, you know a guy is sketchy when you only see his picture in the episode, but he's not in the episode. One of the things that John says, like, hot John, the boyfriend that I love but says stupid things, he says about the friends that she went down to Myrtle Beach with, he goes, I mean, they were super trustworthy. I mean, I don't, I didn't know them. I never met them, but they were super trustworthy. He says the same thing about this guy Peter he's like I assumed being a good friend to Brittany that he would he would watch over her they were really good friends I just assumed he'd take care of her I mean I didn't know the guy I never met never talked to him but just kind of assumed that he would take care of her and I went I don't know that John's the best judge of character yeah I, I agree I sadly agree with you yeah I love John call me but like so Peter so this is worth noting for later Peter was staying at the Blue Water Resort and some of our post research will come back to the Blue Water Resort oh, Patrick wow. does yeah so keep that in mind okay so Peter was 20 a little bit older than Brittany and he was a promoter down there also get a life do you know what a promoter is <laughs> yes, like, of, yes of course get a life like we had promoters in Boston and their job is to like get pretty girls to come to their club promise yeah. them free drinks what get get a life get a life whatever right. <laughs> meanwhile Brittany decides to meet up with her friend Peter before she goes she borrows a pair of shorts from one of her friends. You guys, she's got to walk from her motel. It's a, they say motel and not hotel. And oh my God. Like that just, oh, that made my skin crawl. You know, those sheets do not get washed. Oh yeah, absolutely. In like spring break. You want to talk again about how disgusting guys are? Yeah. And like the bed bugs are free and they charge extra for the lipstick around the cups. It's disgusting. That is the grossest thing in the world. So she's got to walk to Peter's motel, which is a mile away. Guys, before she goes, she borrows a f- pair of shorts from a friend that she's like staying with, right? Keep that in mind. She walks down to meet Peter. As she gets there, she's walked a mile down to Peter's motel. She gets a text from her friend that's like, girl, I need those shorts back. Now, I I know we have bigger fish to fry. Here are my questions about this. Okay, go. Did that girl, like the girl whose shorts Brittany is wearing, did she only pack one pair? Which leads me to my next question. Did Brittany not pack her own shorts? I I thought the same thing. And what is so amazing about these shorts? Why does everybody have to wear them out that night? I know. And couldn't she just say like, you know what? I'm such an idiot. I borrowed your shorts. I'm out for the night. Or that's the 
text you're like, oh, my phone died the next morning. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like, you're yeah. going to walk all the way back. She's got to turn around and walk a mile back right. to give the shorts back. These are not good friends. No. <laughs> That's when you're like, oh, girl, you have to walk a mile back to bring me my shorts. I'd say don't do it, but they're my only pair that I brought with me. Oh, my God. Honestly, it all really does come down to these shorts, guys. So It kind of really does. Christopher, the announcer, goes, annoyed. Brittany tells Peter she has to walk back to her hotel. Annoyed. Heads back to the hotel a mile away. Well, you shouldn't have taken those shorts without asking, Brittany, but it's fine. You did it, girl. It's fine. We've all done things we regret. All right, so Brittany and the shorts. She's now going to walk a mile back to the hotel and return them to her friend. So she leaves Peter's hotel, and she's like, "Uh, I got to go return these shorts. So she's texting John, of course. The boyfriend, yeah. The boyfriend. As she leaves, 10 minutes go by. 20 minutes go by, 30 minutes go by, and he's like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. And I get that. I knew that something was up about 10 to 20 minutes later, but a half an hour later was when I really began to start freaking out. Me and Brittany talked every 10 minutes on the phone. And John, making the first responsible decision of the episode, decides, he's like, if you don't text me back in 10 minutes, I'm calling your mother. I'm so that person. Absolutely. I, can't, I still threaten it to this day. I think you just threatened to call my mom yeah. when I, like, disappeared off the Facebook page for a I day. Know. <laughs> I know. I've gotten texts back that are like, girl, my mom's been dead for five years. I'm like, yeah. oh, no, how'd she die? Old age girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should stop doing that. I know. <laughs> But like one of half hour has passed since he's heard from her. He's freaking out. And so he decides he's he calls the mom. This is another moment where I was like, oh God. He calls the mom who we find out is just getting home from like a dinner with friends. John's like, Don. Don't freak out. Your daughter went to the Myrtle Beach against your wishes. Girl, she's missing. She's missing. She's missing. Her mom said, I'm gonna kill her. Like, there's no way that she she went behind my back and and did this without letting me know about it. And she was initially very angry, as any parent would be, if they found out their kid was 14 hours away. Don goes, I can't believe she lied to me. Yeah. To which I said, Don, girl, we'll get to that later, girl. You're missing the point. <laughs> not the you're, time. You're not... Read the room. Read the room. We're on a different page, Don. <laughs> I can't believe she lied to me. Girl, yeah. I know. It's a, we'll be mad about that later. Right now, that's not the point, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so she calls the Rochester police. Obviously, the Rochester police can't help as this happened in South Carolina. So this is really interesting. So John calls one of Brittany's friends in North Carolina. I guess they're close together. Yeah. Uh, in order to drive to Myrtle Beach to fill out a missing persons report. So I did a little research on this because didn't you think that was weird? Well, because we in the John Spira episode, his girlfriend Renata couldn't file a missing person report because she wasn't the next of kin. Right. This is just, you know what, though? This is what I realized. They just make it up as they go along. Okay, so, all right, don't freak out at me. Me? Yeah. Okay. All right, I called the Myrtle Beach Police Department. (laughs) Okay. They're like, John, it's another podcaster. Do you have a minute? Is it that hot one from that that new podcast about the disappeared people? I think it actually might be. Are you out? No, I'm here for her. Have you seen her? So I have a date next Tuesday. Um, Does he know that you've memorized all the stages of grief? Oh, my God. No, I called the Myrtle Beach. 
Beach Police Department because I wanted to understand because we've gotten from episode to episode to episode, we've gotten so many different stories. You can file it the day of. You have to wait three days. You have to be the next of kin. Then the mother couldn't file a report from Rochester. I just didn't understand that. So I called Myrtle Beach and I spoke to this lovely woman and she said, um, she said, no, you can file a missing person's report over the phone. However, all reports are to the discretion of a police officer. <gasps> and I said to her, yeah, I said, I get a lot of that. And she said, so when, you know, she was, she was so sweet. She was like, when was this case from? I'm like, actually it's from 2009. She's like, I don't know the date when this might have changed. Oh my but God. This might have changed because my first thought was like, why are they calling on this person to drive? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I would yeah. do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I love the loyalty. I love everybody dropping what they're doing and trying to figure it out. But why are we wasting the time for someone from North Carolina to drive to Myrtle Beach in order just to fill out paperwork yeah. that seemed excessive and it seemed like a just a waste of time. Wow. So that law has either changed or there was something missing in that story that we weren't getting. Speaking of a waste of time, when the world goes back to normal, are you still going to stay this fucking weird? <laughs> or like, are you going to go back to the how you used to be? Wait, why do you think I'm weird? <laughs> Don't freak out at me. I called the Myrtle Beast Police Department. Because <laughs> you know what? The internet... Which is the the web of oh, the world. Oh, which is, is say it vast. with me. It is vast. <laughs> it's so inconclusive. I know. You get so many different stories. And then I end up going down rabbit holes of law and justice. And I just, I want an answer. Yep. I want an answer. Great. So it's just easier for me to call. <laughs> when I finished up work, it was 11 o'clock at night. And I got in my car and I headed right to Brittany's house. And I walked in the door, and the whole family was sitting at the table. And I sat down and started to explain what happened. He tells us he opened the door, and the entire family was sitting around the table, and he was there to tell them what happened. And I went, well, that was probably awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but then, He's like, so I encouraged her to go. So then, then, are you ready? Announcer Christopher says to us, The next morning... Brittany's mom, boyfriend, grandparents, and two friends head down to Myrtle Beach to search for Brittany. To which I said, oh, did you? Did you get a good night's sleep, everybody? Yeah. Did you have a nice breakfast? <laughs> because you know what I would have done, girl? I would have rented a car and girl, take it away. Drove a man. <laughs> I literally wrote, I'm going to have to ask you to save it for this moment. Wait, like, you had so many other opportunities and you kept squelching me. You kept dimming my flame. I was like, not yet. I'm going to need it in a minute. Because my whole thing is like, again, I'm not judging this family. Yeah. I know they've been no, like through hell. But like the next morning? What? Like I just, I can't, I, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. So the mom, the family gets down there. The mom meets with the cops. And the truth of the matter is the cops like really do like rise to the occasion like in a big way. And so the police are piecing together her last known hours, right? We see a traffic camera. And they're like, oh, girl, good news. We found her on a traffic camera en route to going to see her friend Peter. I'm like, great. On the way from her hotel to visit Peter and his friends at the Blue Water Resort, a traffic camera captures her walking and texting at about 8.15 p.m. We do see her. She's walking alone and using her phone. 
and we verify that she was calling the people that she was going to visit to try and find the location of the motel. This traffic video is of Brittany going to the Blue Water Motel, which is where Peter is staying. And Peter's story is that she came, she got the she got the text from the roommate being like, bitch, bring my shorts back. And like within minutes turned around and left. And they get the security footage from the hotel and it checks out. According to Peter, Brittany left his room shortly after she arrived to go back to her hotel and return the pair of shorts to her friend. Detective Dorio checks the surveillance tapes of the Blue Water Resort. They verify Peter's story. She was only there for a few minutes. We see her coming in. We see her leaving. And the cops are like, yeah, this kid's weird and sketchy, but he's not a person of interest. He did get a lawyer, but they were super cooperative from the beginning. And, like, he he did not do this. She was seen entering the Blue Water Resort at 8.15, and she exited at 8.48 p.m. And that's all on the security footage from the resort. It should have taken her about 15 or 20 minutes to get back to her hotel. Yeah. But on the way back she never passed that traffic camera again right so remember she was texting with john on the way back and the traffic camera that picked her up on the way there never saw her so she never made it that far which ladies gentlemen and those of you who have yet to make up your minds and those of you who have made up your minds and don't fit into one of those categories great great (laughs) please don't text and walk. I it know. Is, I, I have caught myself doing it. I really have. And then I think, oh my gosh, I am so not aware of my surroundings. I am so not aware of what I am. But please just maybe put something on your phone, your, you know, your screensaver that reminds you, just let it wait, especially while you're walking alone. I just, every time I kept, they kept showing that image of the girl walking up and down yeah. Ocean Boulevard. And I was just like, oh God, please look up, please look up, please look up. I know. And so they have no leads. And then, this was just mind-blowing. But they do obtain Britney's cell phone records. What they find is not what they expect. The last known location of her cell phone is over an hour away in a very unwelcoming area. I also love how they start explaining cell tower pings to us. I was like, bitch, do not explain cell tower pings to me, I know. okay? It was 2009. It was, it was a long time ago. But Don't the, talk the, down the... to me. Don't talk okay. down to me. <laughs> I literally know no other way to talk to you. I I don't even know. I don't even know. Christopher, help me. (laughs) Patrick didn't know any other way to speak to her, but down. (laughs) Do you like my Christopher, Christopher? It's actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah? Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so Brittany has stopped returning John the boyfriend's texts. And now her phone is like blowing up with calls because remember John gave her 10 minutes and then called the mom and now everyone is fucking calling her. Right. So the, the cell phone, wherever it is, is ringing and ringing and ringing. And we learned that like you don't have to answer the cell phone for it to ping off a tower. When the cell phone just is ringing, it's pinging. When it's ringing, it's pinging, girl. <laughs> Although she is supposed to be heading north towards her hotel, at 9.27 p.m., about 30 minutes after her last text, The data reveals that Brittany's phone is heading southbound on Route 17. Her phone is pinging cell towers in an area called Surfside Beach, almost seven miles south of Myrtle Beach. So they track her to a little town called Surfside Beach, which is seven miles south of Myrtle Beach. It would take her two hours to walk, but it's like 15 minutes by car. 
And then at 11.58 that night, her phone is 50 miles south of Myrtle Beach in a little place near Georgetown County. And so, like, what whatever happened to her, at the very least, her phone is in a car 50 miles away. Right. And then the phone goes silent. The phone is never turned on again after that. And so what is there 50 miles south is a super isolated area. It's swampy. There are, they call it um, a very unwelcoming place. You guys, so like, sorry, did you have more to say? Because I'm about to scream for 20 minutes. I mean, also it should be said that we meet a reporter who I do not like. Oh, tell me everything. I don't like him. I'm going to say why. Because he makes a lot of really sweeping broad statements that are incorrect. We'll get into that later. Okay. His name is Graham something. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) This right here is off the beaten path. There's nothing but country surrounding this area. A 17-year-old from Rochester, New York, is not going to end up at Pole Yard boat landing on a Saturday night during their spring break. It's a very rural part of uh, the county, uh, surrounded by water. They show us video footage of this swamp, and they're like, if anybody was here, they're not here anymore. They're like, there's alligators, crocodile, fucking hogs, biting insects. Snakes. Swimming snakes. We see swimming snakes. We're told flies the size of golf balls. And I'm just like, what country is this? What country is this? All the while, this is the first reason I didn't like Graham. He explained this, and he was like laughing. I know. I was like, don't laugh, you arrogant twat dick packet. Like, don't (laughs) laugh at this. I was so mad. I just couldn't, because they're saying, like, if any, there's no way that this, like, young woman from Rochester, New York, would have ever ended up in this area on her own free will. So, like, they they bring in all these cops, three different police stations. They've got helicopters. They've got divers in the river. The mom is there. And the mom is telling us this crazy shit, like. They did a massive ground search. They were running their ATVs through there every 20 minutes to get the alligators to back off so the dogs could come through. They had six shooters with their dogs because of the boar. I mean, it was just very dangerous. This is some Hunger Games shit, girl. I can't believe I live in a country where there is a place like this. I don't understand why anybody goes outside. I don't understand it. (laughs) Yeah, this is not your average ground search. That is the understatement of the day. (laughs) Which is what your last boyfriend said to you. You know what? This is not your average ground search. <laughs> if you guys can see her face right now. Oh, just look at the group later. I took a screenshot. No, no you didn't. <laughs> Did you really? Did you really? <laughs> um. Anyway. You can't imagine the conditions searchers had to go through. Uh, a lot of dangerous wildlife. Flies the size of golf balls. My whole thing about alligators in general, and snakes for the love of God, I understand that they are just animals. They didn't choose this, unless you believe in reincarnation, in which case they were all serial killers. <laughs> but I don't like, they, they're they just doing what God put them here to do. I, I get that. I, what God has put them here to do. I, I know that that is true. I like when 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 you see like when you see the video of the swimming snake, the swimming there is nothing in the world more fucking terrifying to me uh, than that. I don't get it. I don't understand. Flies the size of golf balls, girl. That's slightly hyperbolic. That sounds like something you would say. I don't think that flies get to the size of golf balls, Graham. 
Whatever. <laughs> it's a horror movie to me. Like, lock me in a murder house, and that is less terrifying to me than this shit. Rose, I get it. You're circling the airport. Bring it in for a goddamn landing, okay? It's, I was it's so scary. traumatized. When- it's scary. Okay, yes. Monica Kaysen, director of the Q Center for Missing Persons, a family advocacy group that assembles volunteer search parties, is called in to help. We were going in the first 11 days that Brittany disappeared. We searched sunup to sundown every day. The urgency was there to get her before the wild animals did. It never ceases to amaze me the number of human beings who put themselves in harm's way to try to find these people when they go missing. It's incredible. And it should be said that, like, I know that, like, people of color don't get the same treatment. And that is fucking horrible. And we have to address it whenever we can. But, like, in this instance, to see these people truly putting themselves in danger, the danger of being literally eaten by a crocodile to go looking for, like, probably the remains of this young girl it, it's just amazing right so the person that he's talking about is monica Kaysen, who organized the volunteer search party they basically sun up to sundown organized for 11, 11 days. days straight they went to see what they could recover and sadly monica you know super plain as day said if she was there they were trying to get to her before the wild animals did. I was like, oh, yeah, my heart. I know. It was just that kind of terrain. I mean, she would have been, if she was there, she would have been attacked or eaten by an animal, is what yeah. they concluded there after 11 days. Okay, so the story is not over. Coming home without Brittany was very, very difficult. Where is my little girl? Is my little girl being tortured? Did my little girl get hurt and die? If that happened, (sighs) how do I explain it to my little one? We get the dad again. And, you know, like, I know that we give the parents shit in these documentaries and we're joking. And, like, again, our job here is to keep talking about this case. Like, that's the whole point of this. But, like, I was so with him in that moment. Like, I was just, it's so, the idea of not knowing where your kid is out there is just fucking terrible. I mean, parenting is... It's the hardest thing, but I always, probably every other day, I tell Lola, my only job on this earth is to keep her safe. If I called her in here right now, I would say, what is my only job? And she'd say, to keep me safe. I know. But that is, that's our only job as parents. So to have that on their shoulders, I mean, it probably keeps them up at night, every night. So there's, like, basically the family's got to go back to Rochester without Brittany, and, like, there's no movement for eight months and, you know, this is this goes on too long, this part. Eight months later, they get a tip. They find a pair of sunglasses in an area a few miles north of where they had originally searched. But they, they are never able to, like, conclusively connect them to Brittany. It was months and months after her disappearance. So why all of a sudden are glasses showing up there that don't have all the mud all the weathered activity on it, the leaves, the branches, all that. That was stupid. I was like, why didn't they just call a psychic and drain a goddamn pond? Like, <laughs> no, they're like these perfectly good sunglasses. They're not, they're not linked to her in any way. They have no. no DNA. They don't look like they've been sitting there for eight months. It was just pointless. Also, I'm sure the parents clung on to that little bit of hope and they probably knew it was futile, but what else do they have to go on? It was just stupid. In the end, the mom says she thinks that Brittany is still alive 
alive that she's been abducted and is being trafficked to which I said that's not what happened mom like I know that it's probably like the kid being alive even if it's a miserable existence is probably a better thought outcome than death like murder and I'm not saying it doesn't happen but like I just don't think it's what happened in this case and the cops who are on the case are like there's no trafficking issue here human trafficking in South Carolina is not a problem that I know about at least being from South Carolina you never hear about human trafficking we've got no indication we've had no history um, most of your human trafficking uh, they target victims where there's a language barrier. I actually want to speak to that okay. because that's actually a bunch of false information. Oh my God, really? I got really, really annoyed at like, you know, reporter Dingleberry and that Lieutenant What's-His-Toes. So <laughs> first of all, human trafficking is super under the radar and super under the bar. South Carolina in 2017 saw a rise 360% in recorded trafficking victims. Oh my God. Also, he said that human trafficking usually takes place with someone of um, who, who doesn't speak the language, 100% not true. Um, really? Yeah. This was 2009, and what we know now about human trafficking isn't the same, but I have to say, I would be remiss if I did not point out, one of my friends is a human trafficking expert. I contacted her this morning, and I talked to her a little bit about it. It absolutely is not true. Do you know the, something that I absolutely will not fucking stand for? You being remiss. I won't stand for it. <laughs> I won't have it. Not on my watch. Not on my podcast. Did you know that um, <laughs> shutting the fuck up is gluten-free? And I know you have a gluten allergy, so add it to your diet. In early April, a few weeks before the one-year anniversary of Britney's disappearance, police announced that they have identified three to four persons of interest in the case. The people that we're looking at feel really good about all of our little pieces of evidence. They haven't been tied in yet but they're all pointing in the same direction towards certain people. Detectives will not reveal more information. Hello, down bitches. This is Ellen, and I'm coming at you from the future. I am adding this into this episode, May of 2022, with an update of this case. In May of 2022, police arrested a registered sex offender, Raymond Moody, after he confessed to the murder charge of Brittany Drexel. Brittany's remains were recovered and positively identified through DNA and dental records in a wooded area in Georgetown, about 33 miles from where she originally went missing. Raymond Moody is now eligible for the death sentence, and he's facing single counts of murder, kidnapping, and criminal misconduct. His trial date has not been announced as of today. Mama Dawn said, This is truly a mother's worst nightmare. I am mourning my beautiful daughter today as I have for the last 13 years. We are much closer to the peace that I have been hoping for. I never know why this case has hit me like it did. There are just some cases that linger in the back of your head different than others. I don't know if it's because she was a young girl, very close to my daughter's age, or I just know so many girls like Brittany. Reporting on true crime can be emotionally taxing. Though we make light of the stories to make it more palatable for people to consume the stories, it's never lost on us that some of these stories end in tragic loss and these families suffer and continue to live with the pain. While we could never even come close to understanding their grief, we hope that the treasured memories that the Drexel family had and the love that they shared will comfort them now and in the days ahead. Patrick and I and Joey extend our sincere condolences to the Drexel family 
as they navigate the next chapter of healing and mourning their beautiful daughter, Brittany. We love you, dumb bitches. Please tell someone you love them today. Love you. Um, you guys, thanks for checking Say out. Say something funny. Say something funny. Tit whiskers. No, you already said that. A new one. <laughs> booby faces. <laughs> yeah, booby faces. Oh, God. You guys, thank you for checking out season two, episode one of Obsessed with Disappeared. Um, girl, that was a crazy one. I can't breathe. I, I know. can't breathe. <laughs> I oh know. my god, where is she? Where the hell is she? You gotta tell them about the Facebook group and the and the Instagram. All right, listen, everybody, come have a bla- a blaff, a blaff. That was a blast and a laugh. Come have a blaff with us on the Facebook group. It's obsessive disappeared discussion group. We're there. We're hanging out. We're in quarantine. We have nothing better to do than you know post funny pictures of us. Uh, every Friday night, we go live on our Instagram page, which is the Disappeared Pod. We scream at each other at really high pitches. Don't tell us to turn it down. You are responsible for turning down your own volume. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life and your choices. Yeah. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Ellen Marsh and Patrick's at Patrick Hines underscore. And you know what? Follow us or don't. It's your life. I'm not the boss of you. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't. Look at how cavalier she is now that she's got that swipe up. I'm telling you, you guys, go back and unfollow her. If she doesn't earn it, you got to take it away. I'm telling you. You're in You guys are the bosses. Don't let her talk to you like that. You're a gaslighter. Dean, you're such a gaslighter. You're a gaslighter. <laughs> I barely know what that means. We love you, you guys. Oh, you can find all episodes of Disappeared on ID Go. The first season is available for free. We're edited by Henry Lavoie, who now we just talked to. I know, now we episode. just talked to him. Hey. Hey, Henry. Man. Hey, girl. And girl, I love you. I love you. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for doing it with me, girl. You are welcome. <laughs> Bye. Love you. Oh, wait, am I at a five? Hold on. Oh, my God, I'm at a three. I'm at a three. Oh, turn that shit up. Okay, okay, okay. You're going to rue the day. You're going to rue the day. Okay, here we go. A podcast? A podcast. <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare. It's a, it's a decession to podcast. I haven't had a drink all week. Tonight's my drinking night, girl. Hold on to your butts. You're you're sitting there in your your goddamn ice chest. Anyway, uh, I gotta tell you, it's it's a little chilly. It's okay, a little chilly. In here. <clears throat> no, uh, nobody likes you. Um, <laughs> I mean, the group has turned on me. I don't even know why I go in there. Go with me on this. Seeing a seventeen-year-old when guys you're pull over. We don't know where this is gonna take us. Pull over, guys. It's not safe. It's not when safe you- to drive when she says things like that. Didn't um, one of my friends from college, didn't she steal a tank top from you when she came up for her perspective weekend? Oh, my God. Don't talk about that. Yes. I just remembered that. <laughs> for all the four years. So she was a year younger than us, and she became a really good friend of mine. And all those years, she's like, I didn't. I swear to God, I didn't. It and then you'd so be like, awkward. are you still hanging out with that bitch that stole my shirt? <laughs> I know. It was so weird. Like, I, I don't say her name, but I see her yeah. face in my head. And I, I was like, beautiful. all those years, I was like, hey, I was like, oh, my gosh. Hey, do you want to give me my tank top back? <laughs> You packed in your stacks, especially in the back, brother. Want to thank a mother for a button like that? Okay. So, <laughs> I wish I had a nose job. No, your nose is beautiful. No, I'd probably get a boob lift, like just to get them higher. Yo, you got to do something with those things because eventually gravity's going to take over. Uh, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> 